Welcome to the Brothers in Faith podcast on St. Joseph Radio. Join Father Vincent Churichella and Deacon Michael Churichella as they talk about faith, family, and sometimes food. Welcome, everybody, to the Brothers in Faith podcast. I'm Father Vincent Churichella, and this is my brother, Deacon Michael Churichella. We're glad to be with you today and to uh, talk about uh, what's going on in in this beautiful season of Lent. This uh, past Wednesday, we just celebrated Ash Wednesday. It was an incredible um, experience here at the, my parish in Astoria of St. Joseph's. We had many, many, many people for ashes. Everybody was crazy about their ashes. And uh, we had, I think at the 7.30 p.m. mass, we had about um, at least over 500 people at that mass. It was incredible. And uh, people of all ages, uh, you know, parents were bring, bringing their children. And it's just a wonderful way to begin the season of Lent, season of prayer, uh, fasting, and almsgiving. We want to switch gears a little bit today. We want to talk about um, youth ministry. We have my brother with us today, the deacon, Deacon Michael, and he's been uh, working in youth ministry for 17 years now. And uh, we know that ministry to the youth is so important. We want to be um, welcoming and opening to the youth of our diocese. And so um, let's talk a little bit about the um, the way you began in youth ministry and what parishes could do to have an effective youth ministry. I started in youth ministry 17 years ago at my parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And... Uh, you know, there was a need in my parish for youth ministry. And uh, my children, um, Jennifer and Michael, Jennifer at that time was about, uh, about 14, 15 years old, and Michael was about uh, 12 years old. And there was really nothing for them. There was a sports program, but there was no youth ministry. And um, I was talking to one of my good friends, John, who I worked with at that time, uh, about his church. Uh, John is a is a Protestant. And he was talking about youth ministry and all the rest of this stuff. And we had many conversations about it. So I uh, went to my pastor at that time, Father Joseph Fonti, and I was on the parish council at that time. And uh, I presented the, that the, there's a need for youth ministry. And... Uh, it actually took us about a year and a half to get it off the ground. We had many meetings with people that volunteered that wanted to be youth ministers. And it took a year and a half to form it, to get an idea of what our youth ministry was going to be. And we met about once a month for about a year, year and a half. And we finally got it off the ground uh, about a year and a half later. And... Uh, uh, you know, it was uh, successful from the get-go. We had about 40 kids that showed up, and we just started to go from there. 
uh, it was really just something that uh, that I felt like God was calling me to do uh, with my own children. And, you know, my children only came a couple of times. It was really something that I started for my children and their friends to have a place to go to. And my kids weren't, weren't really that into it, you know. Uh, and But the other kids were into it. So I found myself uh, just keep on going, uh, you know. I was trying to do something for my own children, and they were hot and cold on it. And we had other children that were much more involved in it. So that's how we really started at Our Lady of Montcalm. What were the uh, trademarks of that uh, early youth group? The early youth group was a work in progress. And uh, we had access to the gym, and the kids would come and play some games in the gym. But that wasn't really what my uh, vision was for youth ministry. Uh, and, uh, you know, really the pastor, uh, at that time, Father Joseph Fonte left, and we had a new pastor take over, Monsignor Joseph Calise. And he was really into, uh, he was the former rector of uh, Cathedral Prep Seminary High School. Uh, and he was really somebody that was involved with teenagers. So we were on the same page and we really wanted to go in the direction of a service-oriented youth ministry. So Monsignor uh, Calise and Rosemary Walsh, who's the director of religious education at that time, and is still the director of religious education, we came up with a plan uh, and we had to re really restructure where we went, wanted to go with it. I just didn't want to throw some basketballs out on the gym floor and uh, have the kids show up and uh, do a prayer at the beginning of the session and then a prayer at the end of the session. Uh, that's not the, uh, what our plan for youth ministry was. Nothing against those youth ministries that, that do stuff like that. We just That wasn't our vision. And our vision was really to have a service-oriented youth ministry. Good. And... Uh, I don't know if you remember, but at, at uh, my first assignment when I was first ordained, I was over at uh, St. Luke's Church in Whitestone, and I also started a youth program, and one of the trademarks of it was service, and uh, I think that the kids, they really get into uh, helping others, that, that service aspect of, of ministry being able to minister to others. One of the things we did with them, and they, uh, Whitestone is a f fairly well-to-do community. One of the things we did with them, we took them to the missionaries, missionaries of charity, the Mother Teresa sisters in the South Bronx. They had a homeless shelter and the children helped to serve lunch to the homeless. And uh, they got a lot out of it, you know? And it seems to me that our young people are looking for uh, ways to live out their faith. And youth ministry, as you said, one of the hallmarks of it should be, you know, what am I doing for others? How am I helping others? And that's really what Christ really taught us, right? He, Christ's teaching was to... Uh, care for the poor and the sick and the suffering and those that have less than we do. And it seems to me that if we can give children an experience of that, we're doing something really um, good for them and something that will stay with them long-term. A lot of them most likely will never forget that we went to visit the uh, missionaries of charity and uh, 
feed the homeless. I, one of the things that you've done, I think you've put out there, is bringing um, children to the breadline at St. Francis uh, Church in um, Manhattan on West 31st Street. You want to talk a little bit about that, how you yourself started going and how you uh, uh, started bringing kids there to help feed the homeless? Sure. I mean, I started going to the St. Francis Breadline. Um, you know, I worked in Manhattan for many years and uh, I had no idea that this breadline existed. And I started a new, a new job uh, a while back after I retired from my previous job. And I walked up that block where St. Francis was to go to church. And it was early in the morning and I saw this line wrapped around the corner about the you know, two, 250 to 350 people. And I just followed the line. And I followed the line all the way up to where the church was. And I saw this line of people, volunteers, that were feeding these these uh, these, these homeless people, these people down on their luck. And I volunteered. I said, well, how can I volunteer to do this? And it started a ministry with me. And what I did was I uh, I I talked to the kids about it. And uh uh, if they were something that they wanted to do. You know, what I've done uh, in the past is every time that I want to bring the kids into a ministry, whether it's homeless ministry or it's a ministry of uh, the St. Mary's Children's Hospital or uh, going to visit them in a nursing home, I always have the director or somebody that works for that particular organization come to talk to, to my kid, to the youth first to explain to them what the experience is and what it encompasses. So those kids make the decision on their own. Those young adults make the decision on their own. Is this something for me? Is something I, what I want to get into? It's just not me explaining what goes on. It's what this encompasses and what this experience is going to be. And then make the young adults make that decision. If this is something I want to get into. Now, some of them didn't, when we volunteered at St. Mary's Hospital, I had the director for uh, St. Mary's Hospital come and speak to the kids about St. Mary's Hospital is a hospital in Queens where the children are very, very ill. And they had a carnival for them every year. And my kids volunteered to do face painting and, uh, you know, volunteer at the carnival to help these other children and their families out that are very sick. So again, let them understand what the experience is, then let them take ownership of it, and then bring them to it. Always have somebody come and explain to them what this is going to accomplish. Because what their experience might be different from what another person's experience is. They can go there and say, "What? Well, I, I didn't expect this to be this way. This is too much for me. And another uh, young adult, the ch a child can say, this was great. I want to do this again. Everybody has a different way of experiencing something. And the, 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 the young adults got so much out of it. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch them uh, progress from 12, 13-year-olds when they come to the youth ministry to when they 17, 18-year-olds and then become the future leaders. I have three of them that are uh, young adults that are now leaders in my youth ministry. They've taken the initiative because, listen, I'm, I'm an older gentleman. You know? I'm a 57-year-old male. I have younger, younger teens that are... 19, 20 years old, 30 years old, young adults, they connect with them and they go about this together. And it's part of the experience of 
living the gospel. Living the gospel is very important. And this is how we go about showing them how to live the gospel. Mm. Yeah, that's important, you know, living the gospel, um, you know, corporal works of mercy, feeding the hungry, caring for the sick. Um, but I think also, and I want to get your thoughts about this, is, you know, how do we also give them an experience of prayer, of Eucharist, so that this living the gospel is not simply a social service, but it's generated from an, an authentic prayer life. So I think our youth also need an authentic prayer life born of the Eucharist. And, um, you know, as even as priests and as deacons, we need to be careful of thinking that our ministry is simply a social service ministry and it's not born of the Eucharist, born of prayer. And um, so what are your thoughts on that, on, you know, giving the children a, a prayer experience so that what they're doing connects to... Um, to, um, you know, the Eucharist. I said, we have, uh, we have Bible study with them and uh, it's such beautiful, I thank you, I thank God all the time for my vocation to the diaconate and it has given me the opportunity uh, that I, when I've been ordained to, to, to the diaconate to now unite the Eucharist and youth ministry, and my vocation all together. And uh, how do we go about doing that? Uh, I have I have the blessing of to do holy hours with the children, right, with the young adults and the teens. And uh, we had a holy hour uh, last night. We had a holy hour. We try to do one every, every month or every couple of months. And to let them know the reverence of the Eucharist. So last, we had one last evening where we had the kids participate, the teens participate in the holy hour. Uh, we recited the, the rosary, and then we prayed in silence. And then we had them bring up um, candles and lay them at the altar right in front of the Eucharist. And just to have the opportunity to see the power of sitting down together in prayer uh, in front of the Eucharist, in front of Jesus, and then let them know how important that is. You know, so many of them said to me, thank you so much for making this available. And before I became a deacon, I would have to go to, to my uh, priest or the pastor or uh, a deacon in the parish and set these things up. Now I could just ask my pastor and he gives me permission to do it. It's so, it's so, so rewarding to see their faces and for them to sit there and pray and understand uh, who the Jesus is and how powerful he is in, in the Eucharist. And uh, I'm just really so thankful that uh, I could join that together. I always used to be able to bring them uh, to all these social things that you talked about. But now to bring them into church and to make that connection with them, with the Eucharist and how important it is in their lives, 
and be a part of that is just a blessing. It's just really a blessing for, with, with my vocation. So that's what we've been doing with them. I've been encompassing uh, holy hours with them and uh, talking about the Eucharist and how important it is and the true presence. And they get to know this and they start to build this relationship with uh, with Jesus and uh, and uh, his true presence. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, last week uh, you were here and we had a day of prayer for our youth here. You hosted that. And you uh, you spoke about the uh, the Eucharistic miracles, and you tried to get the children to understand that the Eucharist is not just a piece of bread; it's not a cracker that they receive. It's actually the body, the blood, the soul, and divinity of Jesus. And you did it well. You you skillfully used the some of the Eucharistic miracles to prove to them that, yeah, when we go to Mass, you know, we're receiving, you know, not a symbol, not 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 just a, a piece of bread, we're receiving the person of Christ. And service has to come out of that, has to be born, out of that experience of Christ. I think some of the maybe a mistake that some youth programs might make is that they, they do want to be like entertainment directors on a cruise ship, right? Kind of, you know, hand out the basketball, let's shoot around, which in itself is not a bad thing. You know, we want to do fun things with them, maybe take them to a, an amusement park or a trip. All those things are important, but... I think if we don't give them a solid Eucharistic foundation, then I think we're doing them a big disservice. And, um, you know, we're really swimming upstream in a lot of times because um, most of these children, their parents are not really practicing their faith. And, uh, you know, we can only really do so much. You said you have them, how often do you meet with them? I meet with them at least uh, two to three times a month and then at least one service project a month at least. Okay, so you're meeting with them twice a month, two to three times a month, but the parents are with them every day. And so um, the parents are really, as we spoke about this in previous podcasts, they're the domestic church they're the ones that are really more responsible or share responsibility with us to um, really uh, foster this Eucharistic faith with their children. And born of the Eucharist is service, and from service comes great fruits. And um, so you want to talk about that, maybe that struggle with uh, the parents? Well, first, for youth ministry, the pastor and the, the director of religious education, and if there's a school uh, associated with the pa- with the parish, the principal of that school and the youth minister have to be on the same page. They have to be a united front. Even with all that, even with all that, if the parents are not involved or the parents are not committed to giving their children the opportunity to experience 
the Eucharist and youth ministry and service, it's not going to work. Uh, and the problem we have today as, as a church, and I love the way you, you frame that, brother, that, uh, you know, we're not a cruise director on a cruise ship. You know, the parents are so busy today and they have so much stuff going on is that, uh, I mean, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that, uh, you know, they, they're really trying. But uh, in some instances, I really don't see it. And it's so frustrating sometimes when you're dealing with the youth to you go up and down. You'll never survive in youth ministry. Take it from me, from somebody who's doing it 17 years. Uh, if you're going to take everything to heart, sometimes some of the teens are not going to show up. Sometimes the parents are not going to be involved. And you have to really uh, take those hits and keep on moving because uh, even if you affect, like you said, brother, we were talking about it in our previous part, you affect one child or one family, you change everything around. I was so impressed last week when I came and spoke at your parish, and we had the, the retreat of prayer, the day of prayer with your, your your teenagers here. First of all, I was impressed with your director of religious education, Sylvia, and your uh, youth minister, Juliana, and you and everybody else here. It's just amazing, all those teens that showed up, they wanted to be there, but you guys are on a united front, and the parents bought into what has to go on. And uh, what we really need to do is, there's no sense of the children and the and the parents working together on a, on a on one front. And I love to get the parents involved. I had a holy hour, like I said, and I invited the parents to come with the children. Come to the holy hour together and sit with your, your, your teenager in prayer in front of the Eucharist. This is not a babysitting service. We're inviting you to come and join your, your, your child. And you're really doing a disservice to your child and your, your teenager, especially in today's environment. The suicide rate is so high now with young girls. The anxiety is through the roof. It's up almost 340% in young teenage girls. You're doing a disservice to, to these young adults and these teenagers by you not spending time with them. And then it's something that we just keep on putting the invitation out there. Uh, you know, Jesus was always inviting and he was always putting the invitation out there. Uh, and we have to do the same thing. And I know we get frustrated, but we have to keep on putting the invitation out to the parents and to the young adults, the teenagers to come and sit together as a family. And really, uh, once they start doing that, they'll find something that they'll shut all the distractions off and the noise down, and they'll sit together as a family. And it's so, so important. And that's what we're missing today. The parents uh, really, a lot of these young teens, they can't go, but they can't come by themselves. If they're a 12 or 13 year old child, they really, you know, their parent has to drop them off and they can't go home with themselves. So the parent has to be involved. And uh, if the parent's not involved or they're not committed to it, then why would the child be involved? I, I have a, you know, you say they can't come by themselves. I have a, a young lady in, in our eighth grade class. She does, she comes every week by herself to Mass. 
she's a she's a she's an incredible uh, young lady of faith. So, and as you said, that's that's a little out of the ordinary because children usually uh, depend on their parents to motivate them to come to church. This young lady motivates her parent or parents to come to church. She's here every single week and she has tremendous faith. And um, I think, you know, we began the podcast by talking about Ash Wednesday. It's not that people can't come to church. It's not that the parents can't come to church because they prove on Ash Wednesday that if they want to do something, they can do it. They made it here. As I said, we had 600 people at Mass at the 7.30 Mass. The parents can come. It's just that it's not, I don't think it's a priority number one for them. On Ash Wednesday, it's priority number one. They want to come in. They want to get their ashes. They want to be marked with the sign of faith. And it's a tremendous uh, hope that I see. It's wonderful to see all of them. So, um, yeah, so we have really have to, as you said, be a united front, get the principal, the DRE, the youth minister, the pastor, and dare I say, even all the teachers and the catechists and the whole team working together as a united front. If we can do that, it would be an incredible way to evangelize any parish. And uh, so we, we just uh, invite um, anyone that's listening that has young people, that has teenagers, to really reach out to your parish and see if they do have a youth group and send your children to the youth group. And if they don't have a youth group, then, uh, you know, you might want to ask the pastor, hey, listen, can you start a youth group here? Can I help you start a youth group? Uh, how, how do we get this going? And so, um, you know, the experience of service, we know is so important. We touched upon that. Service, young people love to help others. And then what is service born of? Service is born of the Eucharist through prayer, through an experience of Christ at Mass, experience at Christ at a holy hour. Young people can be motivated to do tremendous good in this world. Wouldn't you say? Yes, a thousand percent. I agree with you a thousand percent. And if I could just uh, make a, a point before we close out this podcast, is that the youth, the young people, are not the future of the church. They are the church. They are part of your parish. They are part of your of your of your culture. Everybody's swimming in the same direction. So they are the church. They are your parish, and treat them that way. Treat them accordingly. They know when they are not being made to be put apart of what's going on in the parish. So they are the future, but they are the church now. Amen. So let's close with a prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, as we begin this beautiful season of Lent, 
a season of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Help us to draw closer to your Son, Jesus, in all that we do, as we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. God bless you.